The pre-med path can be super confusing. If you'd love some help on your path or on your applications, use the promo code PMY for pre-med years, PMY over at medicalschoolhq.net and get some help from some of our experts, former directors of admissions, admissions officers, other experts. We have a small team ready to help you today. Again, that's promo code PMY to get a discount on our services at medicalschoolhq.net. What happens if you start undergrad as a pre-med, but realize you want to go explore the world, and you wake up some 20-something years later and realize, I want to go to med school now? That's what we're going to talk about today. The pre-med year, session number 484. Hello, and welcome to The Pre-Med Years, where we believe that collaboration, not competition, is key to your success. I'm your host, Dr. Ryan Gray, and in this podcast, we share with you stories, encouragement, and information that you need to know to help guide you on your path to becoming a physician. Welcome to The Pre-Med Years. Thank you so much for taking some time to join me today. I'm excited to have a wonderful conversation with Carlos today about his journey to medical school at the ripe age of 52. He's going to talk about his journey all over the world, his journey to law school, and so much more, and what it was about his journey that kept him out of medical school, and ultimately what brought him back. Before we jump in, I want to talk about the MCAT Minutes brought to you by Blueprint MCAT. A lot of you are getting your MCAT scores back right now, and you realize, uh uh-oh, I have to re take. Bouncing back from a low score is possible. The question is, what did you do the first time and what do you need to do moving forward? Don't forget, if you go create a free account over at blueprintmcat.com, you can create a study plan customized to you and your timeline using their free study planner tool. You get access to 1,600 plus amazing flashcards, access to their half-length diagnostic and full-length. One of the biggest mistakes that students make is not doing enough practice questions, not taking enough full-length exams. Blueprint has you covered. So check in with yourself, figure out what happened and how to move forward, and let Blueprint help you on the way over at blueprintmcat.com. All right, let's go ahead and jump in. Say hello to Carlos today for an amazing, amazing conversation. Carlos, welcome to the pre-med years. Thanks for joining me. Very welcome to be here. Thanks for inviting me. I'm excited to chat with you. I, I got a, a wonderful email from you several months ago um, talking about your success um, mm. and basically how easy it was for you to get into medical school at, at the, the ripe age of uh, 22, right? I just turned 52 five <laughs> days ago, so when I applied, I was actually 51 upon admission. So, uh, 51 years 51. old. Um, all right, let's let's. Um, so, congratulations on getting yeah. into medical school. We'll we'll start there. Gosh, yeah, quite a journey. <laughs> it it has been quite a journey. When was the first time you realized you wanted to go down this path of becoming a physician? Well, I actually had an interest in pursuing medical studies going back in college. So I'd actually taken courses um, in terms of the the, the typical pre-med prerequisites, biology, chemistry, physics, and so forth. My major was statistics. So a lot of these were just uh, basically electives. Um, And so I had sort of a seed that was planted there. But as one often says, life takes you in different directions. 
end up going in these different directions, and the directions just kept going circuitously as they go, uh, to the point where basically, you know, you reach a certain point in life and say, you know, I really want to get back to that. Mm -hmm. And it's not as if the journey I've taken has been in any way, I would say, a diversion. In fact, in many ways, I think of it as it's led me to this place, um, and I have no regrets whatsoever of taking the extra time. Mm -hmm. And that's what led me to actually discuss that very issue when I applied. Like, you know, how, how, like, what are you doing here and how, how did you get <laughs> to be here? Uh, and you were the one who talked about this model of tell your story, yeah. um, which I hadn't run into. And it was actually through uh, a mentor of mine who forwarded me to a current medical student who said, you know, just listen to what this guy has to say and then maybe it will resonate. And I said, uh-huh, okay, so uh, let's, let's just run with this and, and tell the story. Yeah. So mm. let's let's go back. So you you're sure. in college. You are pre-med-ish thinking about going yeah. to medical yeah. school. Mm. What was the first thing that pushed you off of this path? Was it getting bad grades and thinking, oh, my gosh, I can't do it? Mm. Was it just like it, you, you have a kid and it's like, oh, my gosh, mm. I don't have time for this? Like what what happened? What it was really was a couple of mentors of mine who basically said, um, you know, it might be viable to actually explore the world, to get out there, to see more, to learn more. I mean, in, in all honesty, you know, when you're 19, 20, 21 years old, do you really know what practicing medicine is? You know, no. you, you think you might know, but <laughs> yeah. you really don't. Yeah. You, know, you really have no idea. And I really didn't have any idea. And I guess uh, I was lucky enough to have a couple of mentors whom I trusted yeah. who actually recommended that I go off into the world. Now, initially, one of the first things I did when I graduated from college was basically volunteered for a year abroad um, for, um, for it was a nonprofit that was providing health care services in Nepal of all places. Wow. So I was doing sort of this equivalent of rural health care work in rural parts of the country, delivered a couple of babies, and distributing medicines as best I can. So I'm getting a bit of a sense of this. Um, of course, that's in a very different environment. Mm -hmm. But then what happens is as a result of that experience, I get led you know, down these roads, uh, which are Again, taking me away from going to medical school, but sort of in the healthcare arena. So, in many ways, I'd say the last 25 years have been in this area of sort of healthcare, health provisions, and working with individuals who need it. Um, it's just I haven't been a you know formal healthcare provider yeah. on the front lines, yeah, so to speak. Okay, so you go to Nepal, you're delivering babies, contributing <laughs> <couple>. there, <laughs> and and. And you go, okay, I'm ready to go to medical school. Like, what has prevented yet. you from, from going down this path? Uh, again, what opportunities presented themselves in that case um, is organization. Uh, Southeast Asia. Oh, and it was, again, hold on, a friend hold on one second, Carlos. You broke up a little bit there. Go ahead and restart that answer. Sure. Uh, it was a friend of a friend, this was in Nepal, who mentioned that the World Health Organization was doing work in Cambodia. This okay. is in Southeast Asia. Um, and in particular, they were working with resettling refugees who at the time had been in neighboring countries. Um, I had the name of someone, uh, basically went with the flow, uh, presented myself, and he said, well, you know, you're, you're not a medical doctor, you have no master's degrees, <laughs> but you seem very eager and interested, and we're sort of desperate because, well, I'd say that word, but, you know, you could use your help. Mm -hmm. um, 
Um, and that led to a number of years working, uh, again, with the World Health Organization, working with individuals providing health care, but again, not being on the front lines. So again, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of in this arena seeing these things and saying this is really interesting. Again, no regrets at this point. I'm loving what I'm doing. It's just, uh, you know, now that now the, the journey has commenced <laughs> down uh, this more, I'd say, indirect road, as the case may be. Yeah. I'm trying to figure out, as a non-traditional student, and I'm sure lots of non-trads listening to this and all the non-trads I've interacted with previously, you get into a world where uh, Newton's whatever law about an object in motion will stay in motion until acted Mm. upon. It sounds like you were just loving living life, exploring the world, and mm-hmm. you're like, whatever, medical school will be there if I ever want to go back. And right now, I don't. I felt very, very fortunate. Uh, and I guess I felt fortunate that I've had a chance to live a life where I have been able to embrace a sense of gratitude for the opportunities that have come mm-hmm. and haven't felt the need to rush to do anything. Um, it was interesting because there were friends of mine from college who got jobs, maybe making a lot more money, maybe having more glamour, however you want to view that. Um, but that wasn't what was driving me here. I, I guess I was lucky to have mentors um, and I guess friends who encouraged me to say, well, follow your heart and see where this goes. And, you know, it's interesting because sometimes there's a sense of a rush. You know, I have to get something done. I have to move towards a goal. But at the end of the day, you know, what is the point of any goal? I mean, you only live life once. Uh, Goals are important. You want to work towards them. But at the same time, you want to be able to live and follow your heart. And and I guess um, maybe I I was lucky enough to have individuals, and and I'm from a single-parent home, and I have a mother. uh, And she said, well, you know, do do whatever you want to do. you know, if, if it's working for you and you're feeling happy or satisfied, well, okay, what more could you ask for? So I, I didn't I didn't come from a background where there was any pressure to mm-hmm. you know achieve or do something, so to speak. And, uh, and maybe it's also personality. You know, I've, I've taken these personality tests, and I'm <laughs> one of these types, which apparently is one of the rarest of the population, or one in 200. And you know, we're known for going by principle, following our hearts, and doing what we do. So I may have just been lucky to have that um, you know that given to me, yeah. as the case may be. How often did you check in with yourself and 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 just look at your life and go, "Am I doing what I want to be doing right now? Is there mm. something else in my life that I want to be doing? Is there something I'm missing out on?" Well, I remember I I, I started journaling pretty extensively mm. in my early twenties, and so as part of that process. I would often spend at least, you know, once a month reflecting on, you know, how am I feeling about how things are going? And I started keeping uh, keeping notes in a, in a little bit of a log, which actually is still going to this day, <laughs> where it was divided into these three parts. And it sounds a little bit sort of anally retentive of sort of short term, medium term, long term. How am I feeling? How is this going? Um, and that started, I guess, this regular reflection in terms of how am I feeling about how this is playing out? Um, and so I think in answer to your question, yeah, that started early on and I'd say at least a month and to this day, every month I still dig this out. It's on version 500 and whatever I updated. It's on a computer and I just revisit, you know, okay, how, how's this going? How, how am I feeling about this? Are things working out? Um, and so far, so far, so good. (laughs) I have no complaints. Yeah. So Mm. I, I had an inkling that that inkling that that you were going to say something like that because 
the people that I encounter, the people who I encounter that go through life not regretting what they're doing are the ones who are constantly checking in to make sure there is nothing to regret. Mm. Right? So the mm. fact that you're out there journaling, keeping track of you as a human and what you want, what you don't want, are you happy, are you not happy, what are my short and long-term goals? Like the fact that you were like, oh, I I journal, like didn't surprise me. I'm like perfect. Yeah. And, and I think that is something, I've tried several different starts and stops with journaling habits and they never stick. And I, I want to journal. Mm. I just haven't figured out a way that works best for me yet. And and I love that that was your answer because I I wish more people that I talk to would journal so that they don't end up on the other side going I wish I wish I wish I wish I would compliment that with another practice I started I I was introduced to this in Southeast Asia and it was basically a bit of a med meditation gratitude practice and this is not like you know incredibly formal in any way um, but uh, I was living in a part of the world where Buddhism was practiced a lot. I wasn't familiar with a lot of the practices of the philosophy, uh, but I came to know it more. And, and simply taking a few minutes out to simply reflect on, okay, what do, what do I have to, you know, to, to express gratitude towards? Um, you know, what what is, what is it about this whole experience that appears to be worth it or making life worth living? You know, not not to be too grandiose. That 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 sort of started happening, um, and it still sticks with me to this day. There's no doubt about it. Uh, and it's not like, you know, hours a day, but even five or 10 minutes um, at the beginning of the day, it, it just, it changes the tenor of like what's going to happen uh, during that day. Yeah. It's, it's very real. I mean, yeah. really, it, it's a very, very meaningful to me. A thousand. It's a big part of my life and it's not a lot of time, but gosh, in terms of impact, uh, yeah. I love it. Yeah. A thousand percent. That That's amazing. Mm. How many times... Over the last 25 years, have you started down this path of going, okay, I'm ready? Um, it ha in the early 2000s, there was a, a point because I've been doing that work that I shared, shared with you uh, with, with the World Health Organization. Um, and it was, it, that was the one moment where I said, okay, you know, I'm, I'm in my early 30s. Is this the time to pivot towards this? Um, and like a lot of things, um, uh, I, again, I'm, I'm, this, this keeps happening over and over again. So I, I run into people, and they so you know there's this, these, these other things that are going on, and then you start saying, well, okay, I'm 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 not. Uh, I guess I, I I was fortunate enough not to have to feel I had to go in one direction or the other. Mm -hmm. And in this case, I've been working with a lot of refugees and asylum seekers, as I shared with you. This is what the World Health Organization was doing, um, and in particular, what I was getting interested a lot was in what led to their predicament and these issues of policy. Mm -hmm. And so what ended up happening was I, uh, partly because I had met someone and knew somebody else, I ended up going and got a JD uh, at, in law school focusing on public health law. So the direction initially was to go to law school focusing on public health law and policy. Wow. Um, and so I did that. That was that was this three-year stint. It takes three years to, to get a law degree focusing on this dimension of like what led to these individuals to be in the predicament. How does the law inform health care or public health in as much as it does? Well, a lot of it's in the area of regulation. 
population, um, and so went down that road, thinking that okay, well maybe I'm not going to be you know engaging in public health provision directly, but there's this policy dimension to this. Uh, again, I have no regrets about that. Uh, what led me though, that led me then to start to do work which I felt was more divorced, for lack of a better word, from the front line, mm-hmm. um, and in particular. Um, I guess in the last 15 years, I've been working both, uh, you know, as, as an attorney, but more in the area of the public health space and working with individuals with a lot of mental health challenges. So, mm-hmm. I, I should mention I'm I'm going into medical school because I do have very specific interests in community health and also mental health care, uh, particularly among certain uh, populations that definitely need it. Yeah. Um, and and in, as COVID has demonstrated, is a sore need. So when I applied, I made it very clear. I'm I, I'm looking forward to studying medicine in general, but I do have these specific interests at this point, given what I've seen on yeah. the policy side and all that. Yeah. I, mm. I, having been a part of policy, I, I have this conversation a lot with young, mm. bright-eyed students that are out to change the world, which is fantastic. Mm. Mm. They're they're not jaded yet. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm sure you probably know that you could have a much bigger impact on these communities through policy versus mm-hmm. one-on-one encounters as a physician. Has that crossed your mind? Absolutely, but I think at the end of the day, you know, when I think about what makes me tick and also what has interested me and the interactions I've had, I've actually felt that uh, I'm more drawn towards the the micro level of this and individuals with whom I've worked. So over the last number of years, I've done a lot of work in prisons and jails. Um, And in particular, a a lot of my my focus has been assisting individuals who um, I believe uh, have been unjustly uh, targeted uh, by certain laws that I don't think are just. A lot of the individuals with whom I've worked, I believe, have issues with mental health challenges. And I found that it's the one-on-one interactions that are leading me to feel this deeper sense of satisfaction with my work. Now, of course, you know, I'm under no illusion um, that, you know, of course I can still do the policy-related work, but it's almost, what I think about is similar to some friends of mine who were teachers. And when they left the classroom to do administration, they said, I lost something here. Mm-hmm. And, and, I, and, and many of them have said, oh, forget this, I want to go back to being in the classroom. So from my own experience, I feel that I, I, I need to have that one-on-one interaction, uh, however that plays out. There might be policy there, but, but I, to, to keep me, again, keeping my, my, my uh, focus on true north, it, 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 it can't be just policy. I'll, I just I don't feel connected. Yeah. Um, it goes back to my personality. Yeah. So, mm. so thinking about the journey that it would take to get you into medical school now, mm. Mm. You've, you started this journey before COVID. So COVID wasn't the impetus to go down this path. What finally no. was it for you that was like, I, I have to do this now or never? Some of it related to when I turned 50, basically. Okay. Uh, I don't, I mean, it, it, this might sound sort of trite, but you think about sort of, you know, how long is a life? You think about the number 100, you think about 50, you say halfway there and say, well, <laughs> okay, you know, you don't have, you don't, you don't have endless time. Yeah. Uh, we still have the telomeres that are being, you know, degraded there and all those cells. So, you know, there's only a certain amount of time you have. So as, as much as that might sound trite, there was that issue. The second thing, though, is I was doing work with a number of teams and I felt as if that there were individuals with whom I was working 
whom I felt, you know, could carry on a lot of the work we were doing. I felt comfortable in being able to say, you know, can I do this now? I'm not abandoning, um, shall we say, you know, commitments I've made. And so it, it was this combination of looking, just looking pre- basically at the time. Yeah. And then also, the, and then, then also the ability to do it. Um, you know, I guess, uh, you know, it's not as if there's something stopping one, but it just, the, 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 the just the, 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 the streams came together. Um, Say let's 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 now go ahead with this. We're we're ready to move. Yeah. And the other thing I should mention, by the way, and, the, and when I when I start, started you know coming to this conclusion, I was under no illusion that I've been out of school for a while. Yep. So a couple of friends of mine said, you know, just you know, you might want to go. And also, there's the MCAT. You know, you got to study for <laughs> What's this that? thing and bring back bring back the, those memories. But I went back to school and took a number of courses at a couple of community colleges. Mm-hmm. That I'm, I'm calling from California. And what was amazing about that was that just solidified this. And what was what was so funny about this was I'm thinking of a of a course I took human anatomy. You know, it, it, again, just to say well, you know, it's not that it's required, but I said, you know, how, how does this feel? And I absolutely just adored this thing. And my co my co lab partners they said, oh, you know, you're a born surgeon. You know, you're just loving this you know, these <laughs> cadavers far too much. Um, the teacher in our class, great guy, who's an MD PhD, he said, you know, he said. Why come you didn't do this decades ago? You, you just seem to like be born to do this. I'm like, what? What are people talking about? I've never thought about surgery. What are you talking about? But but it was just so interesting to have this experience in human physiology, and then took biochemistry again. It all went beautifully well, and it was just my gosh. There was a little bit of a regret, saying, "Gosh, I wish I had done this 25 years ago because this is this is spectacular stuff." Yeah. And I loved it, and it went very well. So I mean, a little bit of regret, maybe. Oh, I waited too long. Should have done this sooner, but whatever. I know medical school; it'll be a little bit different. Yeah. Uh, but the textbooks we used, apparently, they're still medical school textbooks. Uh, yeah. This doctor said, "Oh, you're going to do this again, just a little bit more. You're going to have to, you know, yeah. memorize a little bit more of those nerves as opposed to just the top 30. There'll be about 100, but in any case, you'll be there. Nice. Um, so that was fun. Yeah. Mm. All right. So you're in community college class. As, yeah. as the old guy in the room. I what, was. What was that like for you? Uh, it didn't bother me in the slightest. I actually found myself uh, enjoying being with a lot of the younger students. And in fact, uh, the relationship that we had um, ended up being quite positive. You know, it, it, it was one of those things where um, um, I guess a lot of it is the attitude that you take. Um, and a lot of people told me, they said, you know, they were surprised at my age. They said, you seem so excited about this. I said, well, I am excited. So I had many people tell me, they said, you know, you, you don't seem to, you don't seem to be this old guy. I said, well, I don't know. I, I don't know what to say. Um, I just try to, you know, I just go with the flow, but yeah. I did get that feedback and I actually found a lot of the energy of the younger students almost infectious. Yeah. But of course they said to me, they said, your, your energy is infectious too. So we were complimenting one another. Um, I said, okay, you yeah. know, it, it was working. Yeah. Tw- 20 year olds uh, think that 50 year olds should be like in nursing homes now and like <laughs> with a walker. I'm like, uh, no, like, come on. It's not that old. What, what, what I loved about it, though, the, one of those interesting experiences in this anatomy class, um, I believe that I was just slightly younger than, than the professor. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was interesting. I mean, I was doing very well in this. And actually, what was interesting was our relationship was actually the most interesting, where a couple of times after a couple of exams, he said, can I, can I just ask, you know, pull off the side? He said, he said, how do you feel this is going? How am I doing? Because he <laughs> knows that I had taught as well. And I actually said, well, I said, I think this is going well. This could be a little bit better. This is a little bit difficult. I said, I'm not sure how, you know, how this is being explained. But we, we, so we started having this very interesting relationship. Like, well, I'm your student, but yet because of the life experience I had had, we were having that dynamic. And um, without a doubt, 
I mean, I, I completely uh, you know, adored his knowledge base and what he'd done. But what was interesting was we had this relationship where he was sort of saying, you know, how, how do you think things are going? Um, and am I doing a good job? And I said, well, I, th- I think it's going great. And, but but we, we had this very interesting dynamic, too. Yeah. I like that. I think it worked for me. Yeah. Um, so a lot of non-traditional students will, will do what you did and go, okay, I, th- I think I want to go be a doctor now. Hmm. I'm going to go take some classes. Having been in and around policy and healthcare, it seems like, um, when was the last time before you jumped back into this that you were actually shadowing a physician with this mm-hmm. mindset of like, I, I'm testing the hypothesis that I want to be a doctor? So a lot of the shadowing experience I had was back in my early 30s when, during that whole you know, World Health Organization, mm-hmm. stuff like that. And I know that uh, – but when I say shadowing, I've been working with a lot of physicians sort of um, side by side with a lot of this prison and jail work. Okay. So, I've, you know, it, so in terms of knowing what the job entails and what is done, I would say I mean, I'm not coming to the table not knowing this. Now, again, my experience has largely been with psychiatrists. Um, again, in these particular settings and seeing that work and seeing what's happening and actually recommending that some of my clients, you know, go for this additional assistance, which I would love to give. I said, I wish I could go down this road with you, but I don't have that training yet. You know, give me some time. So in terms of the shadowing question, over the last five or 10 years, I've seen a lot of, uh, of, of, I think, what's happening. It's very different from my work with, say, on the World Health Organization in like refugee camps. I mean, you know, it's, it's different. And in many ways, a lot of this becomes what sort of what sort of medicine do you want to practice? For example, you know, a friend of mine is a radiologist, and when he describes me what he does, I said, you know, I don't think I'd enjoy this at all. But he said explicitly to me, he said, you know, I really just don't like people. It, they just annoy me, and uh, I don't want to have to see them. And I love being in the office looking at you know the X-rays, or now it's on screens. Yep. And he said, just he said, just did they annoy me? And another friend of mine um, who is in an emergency room, he loves the action, the excitement. And my gosh, I said, I'm not sure I'd be wired that way. So different specialties and friends I have mm-hmm. in different areas, you know, it's like you can take this in, in a lot of different ways depending yep. on your personality. Yep. And these two people are very different personalities, different from me. Yeah. So that's been fascinating. Yeah, that that's the thing I love about medicine, even uh, inside of medicine and outside of medicine. The fact mm. that once you are a physician, obviously the the training paths you kind of need to decide relatively early on. Mm. But even after that, once you dedicate to becoming a radiologist, psychiatrist, whatever – you can go and craft whatever career you want, whether it's seeing patients, whether it's policy, whether it's uh, industry, whatever it is. And that's the fun thing. I think a lot of people don't really understand or are afraid to go explore it because maybe they feel like they're they're cheating on their patients and like, well, I dedicated my life to being a physician. I need to take care of patients and I shouldn't go look at other things. Um, and, and so it's, it's a fun thing about medicine, right? Look at me. I'm, I'm a podcaster. So, uh, (laughs) when, when people said to me, they said, Oh, you're this born surgeon thing. I said, what are you talking about? (laughs) But then, but then, uh, I've had two individuals share with me. I haven't checked the data here, but they said that when it comes to the match, again, I I don't know this, this is fact that for individuals, 
individuals who often want to choose psychiatry, a lot of them choose surgery as like a surgery, close second. Surgery, psychiatry is very like, intertwined I for said, some what reason. What is this? Yeah. I, mean, I couldn't believe it. I said, okay, I, I said, is this true and where does this come from? Because it's so fascinating that I found this as well. And again, I had seen basic surgeries done, but if you had said to me, would you go into that area? And still to this day, I would say, I don't think so. First of all, I don't want to wake up at four in the morning every day, which I believe they often have to do. I said, so that, that, right, we'll write that off. But still, it was just, it's just, you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. As yeah. the case may be. Um, yeah. So, so. You, you, go, you, you start going down this path, going back mm -hmm. into school. At any point, were you like, well, I, I really love the, it sounds like you, you loved the anatomy lab. Mm. Were there other <laughs> classes where you're like, I don't know if I'm cut out for this anymore? I have not. I have not felt that. No, I, I have not felt the not cut out. The doubt came just in terms of what you had to go through, and just this admissions process. <laughs> Talk and about I said, that. This is this is just you know. Uh, well, I mean, one word is insane. I, I <laughs> uh, to be honest, that was the word that came to my mind. What um, what specific part? Right. The the admissions well, process is long and and complicated and lots of parts. What is there one specific yeah. part or? What seemed to me is just this approach which people were telling me is you just have to throw all these applications against the wall for all these schools because there's all this competition yep. and the numbers are sort of small and it's just you throw everything against the wall and you check all these boxes down a list. And I said, you know, look, you know um, – there's something about this that maybe technology has aided in this and some mm -hmm. classmates of mine, you know, one of whom is a child psychiatrist and he was a mentor of mine when I was a college uh, student. So he's about 10 years older than I. And he said, it was not like this. He said, when I applied 35 years ago, the internet has led to this insanity of all these yep. applications. And, and he was the one who said to me, he said, so he said, I hear about this, but he said, I'm going to tell you something. He said, you can take it for what it's worth. He said, each school does have a different sense and sensibility. There are different personalities. There are different foci. Are you focused on research? Are you focused on the community? And he said, I know what people say about throwing them against the wall. He said, if I were you as an older student, look into this, identify places that you think fit with you, tell your stories, and if there's a fit, it will be clear. And what was so interesting about this was I didn't apply to lots of schools. I only applied to nine. Um, the one that I got into, which was my first choice, it was really interesting because there was the fit. There was the focus on a lot of community work. They have a lot of student-run clinics. It's not a big school. It's on the smaller side. Everything about this, I think this fits me. Mm -hmm. And it's also a bit quirky. Uh, they also focus a lot on diversity. Mm -hmm. And so in my case, you know, it, it was really interesting. Why I, I'm, I'm starting to write these essays and telling stories with sort of this school in mind. And for however the stars aligned, it, 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 it came to be. So, um, again, I'm not exactly sure, you know, what, what, what to say except that if one has a clear sense of the direction wants to go in and a clear sense of one's values and interests, then I think you can apply to smaller numbers. Yeah. And just know this is going to work or not going to work. Like, for example, research. I have not done a lot of research. Yep. So I said, am I going to be focused on research institutions? Probably not. It's, yeah. I might do some, but that's not my focus. Yeah. So so let me, let me paraphrase. Mm. What you did was you were intentional about your application. Very. And what most students do is they are not intentional, and they – apply based out of fear 
which leads to this excess, throw it against the wall and see what sticks. They don't do the self-reflection and introspection to go, who am I? What do I want, right? And I go back to your journaling habits to to lead you to you being successful with that for you to understand what it is that you want out of your medical school. Most students go through this process with the idea I'll go anywhere. Whoever takes me, that's where I'll go. And that is the wrong way to do it. Does it work? Sure. Is it a lot more expensive and stressful? Yep, it is. You were intentional. You figured out where you wanted to go. You mentioned earlier you're in California, and a lot of students would go, California applicant, you're ridiculous. You're crazy. It's impossible. Oh, my gosh. I was told that they said, oh, my God, they said, good luck, folks. The worst place to be. It's a nightmare. I said, well, okay. How many st- it is what it is. How many schools did you apply to? I applied to nine. Nine schools. Do you know, what the, to nine. Do you know what the average is? I thought it was like high 20s, low 30s, something so, like so that. So the average for AMCAS uh, specifically is 17.6 or something. Okay. So round up 18. I was having this argument with a double AMC rep at a conference mm. recently. I was like, it's 18. She's like, it's 17 points or whatever it is. I'm like, come on. It's 18. So, mm. and, and when I first started looking at these numbers, the earliest number I remember is 14. So it's gone mm. up four schools on average per applicant. And when you think about that, that's four schools times, uh, here, I'm going to try to do some quick math, right? 62,000 roughly applications Mm. times four schools is about 248,000 extra applications to schools. Times quarter of a million. About $42, right? (laughs) Per per extra school you add. That's another $10 million roughly in in the pockets of the AAMC. Mm. Because of a lack of self-reflection, introspection, and just calmness around this process. Everyone's going, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I'm not going to get in. So I have to, and the same thing is happening after medical school with the residency application process. There's so much fear around, I'm not going to match, that Mm. students are basically going, okay, I want to match in emergency medicine. Probably not the best example because there were a lot of unfilled uh, spots mm. this year. But but they they say, oh, I want to match in emergency medicine. I'm going to apply to every single emergency medicine program out there. And and it's stressful and it's scary. And, and I don't know. So I don't know if it's your age or the wisdom that comes with that age or just, again, your habit of knowing who you are and being intentional based on who you are going okay i know that there are schools out there every school is not the same and i'm going to find the ones that i'm going to fit with that i'm going to thrive at that meet a similar mission to me and are quirky like me maybe and and that's where i'm going to go one one thing other people said to me there's all these issues of you know oh you know are you you know is your age going to be a problem and you know the, the the grades from the I had fine grades but it was a long time ago and have things gone stale the MCAT went pretty well so they said okay good you know at least they know your brain cells still work um, but there was just all the stuff and I and I said and, I, and actually it was one of your your um, I think one of the YouTube um, uh, clips that you had where you said look. 
you can't change that. So why worry about this? Why Let worry? it go. I said, okay, you can worry about something. Well, matter. well, it is what it is. I mean, this yeah. is who I am. Take it or leave it. You know, there's nothing I can do to change it. I'll just, yeah. you know, tell tell my story as best I can. But this was something which, um, yeah, just this, this. if you can't change it, go move on, you know. Yeah. Um, That's it. That's it. That, that, that worked well. Now, well, the other thing I should mention, and, and getting back to your question, you know, studying for the whole MCAT was not exactly the most pleasant experience, <laughs> um, to say the least, or even taking it. Although, you know, as I said, what, what I decided to say, well, if I'm going to go through this process, let's see if we can enjoy this. And, uh, you know, got some books and did self-study and frankly said, well, you know, actually, this is pretty interesting. You know, I, the, the test itself is not so great, but the subject material, the material itself, I said, this is quite interesting. And bring up, you know, bringing back the memories of a lot of things I had studied. And I actually have, happen to love chemistry, so it wasn't a problem for me. And the physics chemistry section, which people seem to dislike, went incredibly well beyond my wildest dreams. So you know, I said, wow, if, you know, if, I'm, if other 22 and 23-year-olds are my competition here, this is good to know that the brain cells are working. But I did approach it saying, you know, I have to do this, but can we enjoy this? Um, and I did, uh, I did find that you know, trying to take that attitude helped in just studying. I basically put together a study schedule over six months. So we're going to do four hours a day. We're going to do this. Then we start doing the practice questions, which was a little bit more, you know, more onerous because it's basically you have to take the test. But, um, but the material itself, I said, this is actually pretty interesting stuff. And I do like it. Yeah. Um, I did like it. Yeah. So it ended up being okay. Okay. So application-wise, you, you talked about just that crazy process in, in terms Ugh. of number of schools and all of this. What, was it hard? I'm assuming your, your law school applications were very similar, personal statements, activities yeah. type of stuff. Was, was that stuff relatively benign for you? I wouldn't say it was benign because initially, uh, again, bef before I got some of your insights, I started going down the road as a lot of people do of, okay, so what are my skills and why would I be good at this? And here's the skills I'm bringing to the table would make me a good, you know, as you were, a good doctor. And I said, wait yeah. a second here, you know, is, is that the way to go? Um, and you know, this, this, again, the, the idea of let's jettison the lists and the bullet points of, yeah, you, you did all this and whatever, and go to look, um, take the 15 experiences you know, here's something I did. Here's what was interesting about the story about what I experienced. Um, a lot of it, I was thinking of, you know, what 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 is it about these stories that bring out the values that I have, and the things that that drive me to get up in the morning and and lead me to enjoy what I do or to enjoy the life I live, and so thinking of it that way. Now, I I, I am not going to deny that when I did these. I said, my gosh, I said, I hope this works because I'm not doing a resume. I'm not doing the bullet points. I'm not listing the skills. You know, will this actually work? Well, you know, Dr. Grace says this, this might be the way to go. <laughs> and if I will say this, I thought to myself, I said, well, if I'm an admissions officer and I got a stack of thousands of these things, I sure as I sure much rather read some interesting stories than bullet point lists. Yeah. So I said, if I were on the other side, what would I want to read? I said, exactly. I want to hear some interesting Human. stuff. Yeah. Give it to me. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's, it's so amazing. I said, okay, just take that attitude. Yeah. If I'm on the other side, what interests me? Well, oh, I remember. I said, okay. Well, here are my stories. That 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 was the that 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 was the key thing here. You know, mm -hmm. uh, just imagining these people going through this and saying, "Oh gosh, <laughs> this is just a nightmare." <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. Oof. No, that that is exactly a thousand uh -huh. percent. A, a lot of my recommendation is based on that knowledge. That Oof. it's like, how many times do I have to read? 
oh, another student who's dedicated, hardworking, motivated, who's really sure that they want to be a doctor. I'm like, great. Um, and I've joked with so many people, I like science and I like people. I like it. It's like, stop it. Just get yeah. out of here. Stop. Like, okay. It's it's enough. It's stop enough. It. Yeah. So talk about the, the, the process of finally submitting your application. How cathartic was that for you? Well, um, fortunately, I had a couple of good friends of mine. Um, I, I, one, one of my personality traits is I tend to be a bit of a perfectionist. And I, I started doing these drafts and coming down to the line here, I, I wanted to get it in early. People had said that. I, so I think I submitted a couple of days after the deadline or, or the, the, the opening, opening date yep. occurred. But the, but the couple of weeks before that, I, I found myself spending hours and hours poring over like every sentence, every period, every comma. And it was a very good friend of mine. He said, OK. He said, is, is this time really worth it? You know, you're, you're, try, you're, you're getting into a level here where is, anyone, is, is this benefiting you? Mm-hmm. And because of him, I said, you know, you're right. Basically, I'm going to set a deadline here. You know, midnight on Wednesday, that's it. We're not going to reread it again. We're not going to do more wordsmithing, you know, spending four hours and changing one comma. This is not making a difference. Yep. You know, it's there. We've done it. The other thing was, um, you know, I, I think you may have shared this, but others, you know, get advice from individuals, but not too much because then you're overwhelmed. So there were three individuals whom I reached out to with some early drafts. I said, tell me what you think. They had big picture ideas. I loved it. Embrace those. The, the main challenge was coming down to the wire, just this this um, intense focus on these very little details that was making no, were making no difference. So with yeah. hindsight, I probably should have just, you know, stopped that. You know, it was maybe two or three weeks of just um, <laughs> wordsmithing to the point of yeah. inaneness. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. There's there's a, a quote that I, mm. I heard that I love because this is a very common question is, Dr. Ray, how do I know when I'm done? And How do you and, know when you're yeah, done? And, and this yes. quote is, mm. great art is never finished. It only stops in interesting places. Oh, now that I – oh, I, I wish I had known that <laughs> some months ago. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, that's brilliant. Yeah. So it, mm. it, it's a very common problem. You could you could nitpick to death uh, mm. and never submit. And I know students who get into that cycle of of just like it's not good enough. It's not good enough. It's not good enough. And then they mm. turn around and it's late September and they're like, "Well, should I submit?" I'm like, "No. Like, don't submit now. It's it's too late." So I mean, it's hard. <sighs> I was also wrestling with, you know, with, with what things to discuss and what not to discuss. Mm-hmm. And so, for example, uh, you know, one of the things that has drawn me to medicine, and in particular mental health, were experiences that I had as a young person growing up in an urban part of the United States. It was, for lack of a, be- a better word, a very rough area. Mm-hmm. And I had experiences, uh, which you know, I don't like to, you know, when you use the word trauma, there tends to be this dramatization. You know, what yeah. does that mean? It's sometimes overplayed on you know TV and sometimes even in, in, in media. Um, but in many ways, those autobiographical experiences led me to be doing what I want to do. I'm interested in mental health. I'm interested in trauma. I, I went to work. I worked with people who's, who've dealt with these challenges. There's also the issue that I uh, came out as as an openly gay man in my late 20s. It took me time to get there. There was lots of fear about that. Well, if I'm going to be honest about these stories I'm going to tell, I have to talk about these issues. I have to talk about this journey. And a lot of people, you know, have said to me, and there's even a couple of uh, physicians who I know, who said to me, you know, you do know that medicine is still very conservative. There's certain circles. You don't say certain things. You think it might be more open-minded. It's not. 
that, whether it comes to issues of sort of race or sex or sexual orientation, the profession is diversifying, but we still got a long way to go. Yep. And I said, well, I, I cannot go through my life, you know, second guessing what do I say, what I not say. This is the story I got to tell. If you got a problem with it, fair enough. Yep. I didn't apply to schools and places that might, this might be an issue. I hopefully it wouldn't be an issue anywhere. Yeah. California, fortunately, less of an issue, but yeah. still. I know these things are out there, and I know individuals. I know their experiences. I know what they've gone through. And uh, even in 2022, it's still very real. Uh, there are challenges with certain diversity elements, as they say. Yeah. Um, let's let's go back a, a second or two. Uh, at your age, a lot of people, I think rightly so, try to do some, some math and go, okay, mm-hmm. I'm stepping away from a job to mm-hmm. go to medical school where I'm going to potentially take on debt. Now, mm-hmm. depending on your situation, maybe you saved enough, you don't have debt, maybe you were hoping on, on scholarships, but let's assume none of that. Uh, and and your um, kind of cost or, or break-even point uh, equations to go, mm. is it even worth it financially to do this? Did that ever come into play at all for you? I'm in a fortunate position where I don't have dependents or a large family to have to, to care for. Mm-hmm. Um, but but I, I, I would say the following. Um, financial needs and issues are very, very real. At the same time, uh, I have never met any human being who is truly happy or satisfied based on the amount of money they're making. Yeah. Now, you want to make ends meet, obviously. You have your needs to be met. But if you're simply working for money, I haven't met anyone who's like happy in that area. Now, they may <laughs> be out there, but I don't know them. Yeah. So there's a question here of what are your needs and what does make you happy? Now, in terms of debt, obviously, you want to do something responsibly manage this. Um, but again, you know, when I think about, you know, what does one need? What's one balancing? You know, fortunately, uh, in terms in terms of medicine, you're you're probably not going to be homeless, um, fortunately, and and be able to make ends meet. I understand, of course, that some of the debt that a lot of students have to take out is is, is extraordinary, and I'm very very lucky to be going look to a state school. And also, I received an email a week ago that I got this scholarship, which Woo-hoo. I didn't apply for, and I was like, my gosh. So it's not going to be that that big of a burden. But but I say, you know, again, obviously financial issues are real. What are your commitments? But at the same time, if you're doing something that you think you're going to love and do love, it, it sort of, it, and I don't want to sound trite, but it does work out. It, it, it will sort itself out from people whom I've known. Um, and I feel that. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I, I mean, I've taken work, which has not paid a lot, but uh, I mean, I had one job. I was in the private sector a bit. It paid very, very well. Okay, great. I did something else, didn't pay as great, but I was much happier in the latter. And at the end of the day, how much do I need? Okay, I don't have a Ferrari or a fancy car, but do I need that? Do I want that? Is in any case, it's 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 uh, yeah. deeper questions of satisfaction, I guess. Yeah, which goes back to the journaling uh, argument and that understanding yeah. who you are. Because I I don't want to make people wrong for wanting a Ferrari. Like if that's your dream, go ahead. If that's your thing, um, yeah. go for it. Doesn't happen to be mine, but you know, no worries. <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, if you have one, I'd love to have, go for a drive. I don't think I've ever been in one. Yeah. Uh, you know. <laughs> I, I think my my dream car for a long time and, and maybe still is a, is a is a 1992 uh, Camaro SS. I like <laughs> I I had an RS as a kid, and I'm like I just loved the 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 spoiler on that thing and oh it's just marvelous anyway um, <laughs> great <laughs> so 
talk about the interview process. What was it like? Mm. Again, you you talked about this interaction with the professor, the anatomy professor, where it's mm. like they're mm. you're about the same age. The people yeah. you're interviewing with are potentially the same age, maybe younger. What was that mm. like for you? Um, so uh, ultimately, of the five schools, I was invited to interview at five. So five of the nine. Okay. Um, I only interviewed at two, though, because when I got admitted to this first choice, um, I actually pulled the applications. I felt that, you know, knowing what I knew, I wrote very nice letters saying thank you for the for the interview offer, but uh, I, I think I know where I'm going to go, and I made a decision and give wow. a chance to someone else. So I only ended up doing two, two, two sets. The first set was all the MMIs. Mm-hmm. That's all it was. It was just a whole bunch of MMIs, you know, <laughs> what that was, um, which was, uh, how do I put that? I, I've never experienced anything like it, you know, you know off you go two minutes and then and then, yeah. and then chat um but what i like what actually what i what i liked about it was it was it, again this the student uh, who was forwarded to me and recommended uh, your 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 uh, youtube channel to me i reached out to him he said you know view this as having lots of fun they're going to be little puzzles and challenges and he said look he said i don't know you well but we've talked enough he said just go with it he said think about it reflect on it there was a book there there i forget uh, it's it's called the mmi process i, I, don't, I don't recommend that book um, okay, why do you not? Because one thing, I, the one thing they did say that I did like was, this, you know, think about an, like a, a structured order to your question. Yeah, right? you know, that's say, exactly why I don't like it. Yeah, you don't. Okay, yeah. because I'll do mock interviews with students, mm. and I go, "You have read that book, haven't you?" And they're like, "Yeah, I have," because <laughs> I know as as the interviewer who yeah. is going off of that framework. So let me ask a question. So what yeah. I found, what, okay, what I found valuable in the book was it wasn't as if there was one framework. It was sort of say, okay, I, I'd like to address these issues. So this, mm-hmm. there's a sense of organization to your thoughts. I thought it was valuable in the sense that it gave me a sense of organizing thoughts. So when I actually go into the discussion, I'm not just shooting all in different directions. I mean, if I again, if I were an interviewer yeah. and I'm and, and someone has a scenario, if they simply spend a few seconds, I want to talk about A, B, and C. Oh, wonderful. Okay, let's do the A, B, and C. Just a sense of where we're going. Yeah. As opposed to all yeah. over the map. So, so I found it valuable yeah. for that. Purpose. So so here's where uh, I'll push back. Yes, organizing Please. thoughts, amazing, wonderful, mm-hmm. right? Going back to the let's journal. It's, it's intentional. Mm-hmm. When in your normal life do you have a conversation with someone and they go – Okay, Carlos, I'm, I'm glad you're here. I want to have this conversation. Here are the three right. things I want to talk about. Okay, number one. Never. Never. It's not Never. normal communication, and that's yeah. where I push back on it. Okay. And I see that. I mean, I, I, at the end of the day, I think what did work well was I was able to give enough structure, but not yeah. too much where Perfect. it wasn't it ended up being a speech. Perfect. I mean, I felt that we had a dialogue um, that was sort of guided a bit. Yeah. Um, the um, let me think. The, the other the other the other interview that I did uh, participate in had a mixture of MMIs and a long form. Um, that that was really fun because the interviewer went for the long form when he got on. The first thing he said was he said I can't tell you how much I'm looking forward to speaking with you. I read what you what you wrote here. This is great. So we start off like really. I said well I don't know what to say. I'm 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 honored uh, yeah. that you'd say that. And then we just had a long-form discussion. So I viewed it as, uh, again, maybe it's because of my age or experience or having been in the work world for so many years. I just remember thinking, approaching this as, you know, I'm going to have conversations with people. Do I want to share what excites me about this process? Yes. That's my main you know, uh, focus of this, just to be able to share what is making me excited about doing this. Yeah. And I wasn't worried about how am I going to be viewed, how they're going to assess me, just forget all that, just... Do I like to talk about what interests me? Sure. 
Do I have to talk about, you know, or share what I find passionate or interesting? Sure. Let's do that. Mm-hmm. So it, 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 it seemed to work, <laughs> as the case may be. I mean, it works, right? Maybe yeah, it's I got invited. So I said, okay, great. Wonderful. <laughs> Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Thank you very much. So but anyway, it was a little bit stressful, though. Yeah. One thing, but the, the whole Zoom interface, um, yeah. for those who are inter- you know, dealing with that, there is this element, and even you know, we're meeting online with these videos of sort of like you're putting on like a, you know a film. Like I have a background, and how the lighting has to be okay. Internally, I, I wish it were in person. But to tell you the truth, as I think about it, in the wake of COVID, and also in the wake of expense, I actually think this may be a good um, step forward because it makes it much more accessible. Uh, easier for students yeah. to be able to apply to a lot of schools and potentially have interviews without the costs which would be prohibitive of yeah. flying around it, it makes it um, it makes it much more accessible for students uh but unfortunately i think schools are just going to go back to in person do you uh, think so yeah, yeah i was wondering about this yeah. uh i mean at the end of the day i i i, I love being in person it's yeah you know one half schools the other. schools want to Number one, it's it's the status quo, right? And mm. we have swung away from that because of COVID, and mm. and we want to get back. That's just kind of normal. <laughs> Let's get back to homeostasis. Mm. Um, mm. And and so that's number one. Number two is that schools are also trying to sell students on their school. And oh, I want to show you this fancy new cafeteria that we mm. built, <laughs> and and this yeah. our facilities and and. I, I think there are plenty of ways um, that schools can create media to highlight those things. Right? You can get a, a first-person view, an FPV they call, uh, drone to fly through mm. your whole facility and to get a, a sense of all of that kind of stuff. You can get like uh, Google has 360 camera backpacks for for mapping trails like you could do that if you wanted there are lots of ways to do that kind of stuff and i think we have proven over the last two years that digital works virtual works is it as good as probably not but it works and and unfortunately i think schools are gonna not do the hard kind of introspection and go it has worked why would we change back uh, and and I hope that in a couple years, when we get the first set of students that interviewed virtually through medical school, or at least through the first couple years, they'll do some data. Uh, they'll look at some data and do some research and go, was there any difference with those virtual-only interview students versus mm. other students before and maybe post that mm. that made it better, quote-unquote, to to do in person to justify the cost and the the expense to the student for those in person yeah. interviews. I mean, the main thing that concerns me is questions of access. I mean, yeah. g- given the whole cost of this process uh, and knowing how this plays out and statistics I've read about who can participate, who can't. Yep. Again, it, it's you know we we're trying to do a balancing act here. And you know, if if I were on an admissions committee, I'd say, well, okay, you know, we need to think seriously about you know what students is this difficult to be flying around and et cetera, or, or just, you know, just, just again, going to a place, getting a hotel. One thing I know, uh, I think uh, I had several uh, friends of mine say that when they went through the process, they were able to stay with current students yep. if they had to go for an interview. Love that idea. Cause then you're getting to know somebody. Plus you get the accommodation. Great. Yep. You know, that's a nice way to play this, uh, 
But um, yeah. in any case, yeah, it, it, this, is, this is a tough one. I'm, I don't know. <laughs> mm. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard. So the the part of this journey that you're on now, you've mm. gotten mm. into school. Have you started school yet or no? No, it's at the months. end of July. Yeah. So July, you're, so three months. Yeah, you're you're in this kind of in between now, yeah. non traditional student. What is life like for you? Are are you worried about what's to come? Are you just kind of buttoning up life as it is now? There's a lot to juggle. There's basically lots of commitments to uh, iron out to make sure that when I begin this, that I'm. You know, I, I let everybody know. You know, when I start this. This is going to be a full-time job here, you know, and basically just getting everybody ready that, uh, you know, this is what's going to be happening. Um, and also in terms of my mother, um, you know, she, she's actually moving in with me. To, 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 and fortunately, I'm, I'm going to a school that's not far from where I'm living. It's about an hour and a half away, and I have friends there. So I'll be sort of doing like, you know, four or five nights there, a couple nights here. My family's small, just my mother. So there's really just elements of letting people know this is the next project in, in, in my life. And so, you know, Carlos Scott Lopez is going to be a little bit tied up here <laughs> doing this and trying to make sure everyone's needs are met. And it will work. But uh, you know, and, and I am currently don't have a significant other or a family. Um, I, I just I can imagine that if, if one did, that adds challenges to it. But yet, I think uh, you've interviewed individuals who are parents and raising kids, and you can get this done. It just requires, you know, scheduling and commitments and getting all that done. So I'm getting all the ducks in a row yeah. in the next couple months. As mm. as you look back at your journey and you, mm. you think about all of the other non-traditional students out there, what do you want to tell them as they wake up every morning questioning if they can do this, if they should do this? Uh, what, do you, what do you have to tell them I, to motivate them or encourage them to continue? My inclination follow your heart. Yeah. If you follow your heart and feel that this is right for you and, and, and again, feel you've done your due diligence, um, then go for it. And I felt that um, because of the experience I had had and what I had seen and what I've, you know, and, and the people with whom I've worked and what I know, I said, you know, there, there was no doubt in my mind that this is the road I want to pursue. So there's an element of being confident in that, in, in your emotional where you're feeling drawn. Now, again, that's my personality as well. I'm sort of, I've often said to, you know, sometimes younger students who, uh, whom I've mentored looking at colleges, and a lot of times you're inclined to put together the spreadsheets and what are the rankings and da da da. And I'm like, oh, stop that. I mean, it, 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 you want to have the information, you want the data, but at the end of the day, you know, how do you feel about this? But again, that's my personality. You know, what is my gut telling me? Because if you're following that road, at least for me, it works. Um, I, 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 I've never regretted any decision I've made where I felt my heart take me in a different direction. And when I've done things, some people said, oh, that's logical. That's the right answer. I'm like, it just, it didn't quite do it. So I said, oh, forget yeah. that. Not, I'm not poo-pooing analytical, um, <laughs> you know, decision-making prowess, but it's, it's, it, there is something else here. So I would say, trust your gut. Yeah. Uh, and, and if you're, and if you don't trust your gut, no problem. That tells you, let me do a little more explore, exploration here. Maybe I'm not sure. You know, there, there, there were some wonderful episodes where you were reviewing the applications of students who had these incredible MCAT scores and incredible grades, and they're not invited to an interview. And it's like, what happened? And there was one student, I forget his name, but you, you, you're reading the essays. You said, you know, do you really want to do this? You know, my, your parents said you want to do it. Do you want to do it? It was clear. I don't know what I want to do. I'm not really sure. Yeah. Okay, that means maybe not. Yeah. So this worked out for the best. I think this individual student, um, it seemed like he loved research and bench work and a laboratory. That's 
that's a PhD sort of work. Yeah. You know, going to a lab and doing that sort of stuff. But being a doctor, I mean, really, maybe not. Yeah. So, you know, that that's where I sort of come to when you ask that question. It's mm. it's it, it makes me sad to to hear students in in situations that are doing something for their parents. Uh, oh. I, I got on a phone call once oh. with a student, and she was younger, and I, I don't know if she was a failed applicant or was just trying to get her ducks in a row for an application. Mm. And we started talking and I just got a sense from, from listening to her mm. that she was not super enthused about going to medical school. And so, and so I said, let's pause for a second. And, and mm. we, we go down this path and she's in tears at this point. Cause, cause I, I, I pushed on a button and I was like, if you could do anything today, what would you do? And she's like, I, I want to be a vet. I'm like, then go do that. Like, go forth and prosper. Um, and so, for anyone listening right now, like, you need to do things for you, or else you're gonna live a life of regret and um, and uh, I can't think of the right word, resentment towards your parents. It's so interesting who you say that because a very close friend of mine is a physician, and he has not recommended. Why? Because he said, I always wanted to be a vet, but I couldn't get into vet school. So I ended up going into medical school. And he said, it just hasn't worked for me. Yeah. And I said, he said, I, I said, that's why I was, but apparently it's very hard to get into vet school. He yeah. said, well, I, I just couldn't do it, et cetera. So I decided to become a doctor working with humans. <laughs> and it's just, it's never been my thing. Stupid um, humans talk back to you. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, of course, he hasn't been discouraging to me, but he's like, yeah, he said, I ended up doing this as a second thing. I just didn't feel it, and uh, it's been okay. But my gosh, you know, it's been a bit of a drag. And he doesn't—he doesn't really practice. He said, "I sort of left this thing, and I just—I always wanted to be—I always wanted to be a vet, yeah, working with other species." Well, Carlos, thank you oh, for coming gosh. on, sharing your thank journey. You. I wish you the best of luck in the future on, on your journey through medical school and into mm. residency and practice and whatever comes your way. Uh, I think the, the medical world is in a much better place with you in it than with you on the sidelines. So I'm excited to see what happens. And, and thank you so much. As I said, I was directed to a YouTube channel, incredibly entertaining, and uh, you're doing great work and were an inspiration to me. So thank you. Appreciate it. All right, so there you have it again, Carlos, on his way to medical school at the age of 52. I always talk about how it's not too late. A lot of people don't like that message, but it's true. It's not too late to go to medical school if it's something that you want to do. There's someone out there, a medical school out there, that will gladly take you and train you and help you do what you want to do in your life. Hope you have a great week. We'll see you next time here on The Pre-Med Years, where I have another amazing conversation with a student overcoming her 2.24 undergraduate GPA. This is MedEd Media.